from MPB Think Radio, it's Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Sherita Brent here with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. Today we'll talk about an award-winning week for one of Mississippi's college towns. Also, we'll learn about an exhibit at the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. We'll tell you about the Union County Quilt Trail. Tommy Flynn will tell us about Velvet Cream in Hernando. And Andy Hilton is here to talk with us about a way to improve that golf game during the enjoying the air conditioning during a Mississippi summer. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING to let us know about any local events going on in your area. That's 877-672-7464. You can follow the conversation on Twitter by searching the hashtag NextStopMS. It's Next Stop Mississippi, and it's coming up after the news on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent. Here with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. And today we're talking about some things that you can do to stay cool in Mississippi. We'll talk about an exhibit at the Mississippi Museum of Art that you can visit inside in the cool air. We'll tell you about the Union County Quilt Trail. Uh, Tommy Flynn will talk with us about Velvet Cream and Hernando. And Andy Hilton is going to talk with us about his unique swing business in Jackson. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING to let us know about any local events going on in your area. That's 877 877- Seven six seven two seven four six four, and follow the conversation on Twitter by searching the hashtag NextStopMS. Good morning, Mary Margaret. Thanks for being in. Good morning, Sherita. Great to see you as always. You're looking good today. Thank you. I, I hope I look better than I feel because it has been a really, really rough week for America. I mean, there's no way to just act like it's not happening. So. I know. I, I feel like the the world is heavy hearted. I woke up this mm. morning and um and the world is heavy hearted. Yeah, um, I actually didn't get to sleep till like five fifteen a.m. I was watching the news and I was kept kept checking for updates. But um, you know, hopefully, folks will still try to get out uh, this weekend in Mississippi, and we're gonna you know put some things on your mind and not take your mind off of it, but just give you some options to relieve some stress while you're in Mississippi. So, uh, first good bit of news is we're gonna talk about the Mississippi Museum of Art. There's always a wonderful exhibit going on there. But Julian Rankin is in the studio with us, and he's gonna talk with us about their latest exhibit, uh, When Modern Was Contemporary, Selections from the Roy R. Newberger Collection. Julie, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Morning. Thanks for having me. So how long has this been? Uh, this exhibit been running? So it opened in April, and it runs all the way through October 30th, so it's, it's been a long, a long show, or I guess halfway through, but uh, we've been really fortunate to have this exhibition for a long period of time, and, and it's really a good thing we did because, you know, when... You mentioned Modern was Contemporary is, is the name of the, the exhibition, and it's all mid-century modern masterworks. So this is Jackson Pollock and Georgia O'Keeffe and Romare Bearden, Mark Rothko, um, really all the kind of big players in really in the New York art scene in the 1940s, 50s, 60s that changed the whole landscape of art. These are people who you know, really ushered in abstraction when, when mm-hmm. they didn't really have a sense that we do of, of what that meant. So it was shocking to the art world, but really compelling. And so we have these these artists represented in Mississippi for the very first time. And so it's the first chance for Mississippians to see, you know, a real Jackson Pollock and a real Mark Rothko on home soil. So we're really excited about it. So the first time to have these these works in Mississippi, tell us a little bit about people's reaction. 
We've had some great stuff. I mean, of course, there's there's always the reaction of what does this mean, you know, and what does Jackson Pollock mean? My, my two year old could do that, and those kind of things yeah, are sure. uh, those come with the territory. But that's really an opportunity to uh, to investigate and for people to explore. But really, the, the thing about abstract art and, and art in general is that, of course, there's there's a lot of context and there's things to learn. But but what people have um, the interactions they have with the artwork is just as justified as what the critic might have said. So people come in and they see. You know, some people see grapevines in the in the Jackson Pollock. We had a an actual a, a winery, uh, some winemakers in Natchez who had no really um, necessarily familiar familiar weren't familiar with uh, with modern art necessarily, but they saw the Pollock and they said, "This reminds me of the grapevines that we in the vineyard." And so that's sort of a connection that, of course, Jackson Pollock might not have intended, but people find this this resonance in their own contemporary lives, and that's what's really exciting. Well, and you guys do a good job of sort of capturing people's reactions to the exhibits. I know you have stations for the kids to say, this is how I feel after seeing these pieces. One thing you're doing is offering guided exhibits, and that's kind of a cool way to help with that interpretation process. Absolutely. We have a series called An Artist's Look, and this is kind of uh, a people's chance to go through the exhibition with Mississippi artists and, again, get a, a different perspective, and it demystifies the art. So, for example, n- next Tuesday we have a lunchtime tour with Wyatt Waters, Clinton, watercolor artist, celebrated Mississippi artist, and he's going to go through and, and sort of give his reactions to some of the modern artwork. And I think that's that's one way people can um, sometimes these artworks can be intimidating or we don't know what they mean. And so we feel, well, I don't know what what should I go? Am I going to feel like I don't know enough? But these are of course, that's never true. And and having these artists come in and and give these these tours is a way for people to to laugh and hear stories from Mississippians, but also really connect with the art and make it make it meaningful to them in a Mississippi world. Because these artists didn't ever come to Mississippi necessarily. They were New York artists. But the the kind of through line is that. They, they dared to be different. You know, they, they took chances and they innovated. And that's something that we're familiar with as Mississippians and creativity. And so um, I think it, across time, you know, there's, there's a, good, a good connection for people to find and, and an inspiration, really, that you can be different. You can take risks and chances and, um, and failure is, is what comes right before success. So to mm-hmm. go out there and, and try something. You know, the last time I was at the Mississippi Museum of Art, I ran into a friend and he had a what looked like a scavenger hunt thing in his hand where he was trying to match the art piece with something he had in his hand. And I thought that is amazing because sometimes you go through an art art museum and you can be overwhelmed or intimidated by everything that you don't understand because you're trying to interpret it. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a good idea for uh, folks to have to match up the artwork with something on the paper and then develop an interest by reading. So talk about that. That's really cool. Yeah, that w- that's a, actually a bingo game. It's 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 bingo. bingo. That's yeah, right. It's, and <laughs> Art it, bingo. <laughs> That's in the permanent collection, the Mississippi story. We always have that. But uh, but you're right. We do try to kind of gamify uh, the art world in some ways. Um, another program that does that for adults is actually next Thursday. There's a an event where uh, people can come and, and they see some of Jackson Pollock's materials and the artworks. And then they're they're invited to, to don paper suits and then paint like Pollock. So they're going to get to go crazy in the in the classrooms with How paint fun. and wine and, and things that for uh, for adults to enjoy. So it's an evening program next Thursday. And, and those are, of course, can all be found on our website. But that, that's an example of, of really giving people the option to to take their own interpretation and, and kind of get in the world of these artists so it becomes more personal to them. 
Well, in talking about personal, you know, the museum does a great job of sort of having this concept of a museum without walls. You guys are often in the field and other communities throughout the state. And part of mapping a modern Mississippi, or no, part of when modern was contemporary is mapping a modern Mississippi. Tell us about that project. Yes. So we, we developed this initiative called Mapping a Modern Mississippi to, to run alongside the, the exhibition. And really, it's a way for us to get out in the community and, and engage people and capture their stories. So the whole concept is, you know, like I mentioned, these artists who dared to differ, um, that's a through line that connects us all. We all dare to differ. We're all unique. And so we're, we're going out literally on the road, and this is uh, supported by Visit Mississippi, which is a, a great partnership to have. So we're going out in our van, which we've dubbed Max the Modern Machine, and we're going to towns and, and cities and regions all over the state, interviewing people, getting their stories. It could be you know, a rapper, an urban farmer, um, a winemaker, a brewer, a musician, obviously artists, all these people in Mississippi who are doing things a little differently, unconventional, and, and it really goes against the grain of what of what the pervading notion of what Mississippi is, the, the homogenous idea. Of course, that's not what we are. And so we're finding these great stories that we didn't even know about. And so that's our way to invite people to, to tell their own stories. And in addition to us going out personally, people can just send in uh, stories. We're literally mapping all the sites and places that are cool and different in the state. So we're, we're encouraging people to go to our website. There's a, a, an easy way to, to tell us what's, what's cool in your neighborhood, what's great in your neck of the woods. And we're celebrating that. Well, so you're capturing these stories, but how are you telling them? So we're, these interviews, you know, we're, we're really kind of uh, stepping back and letting the people tell their own stories. So you'll go on our website and you'll see the link to Mapping a Modern Mississippi. There's 30, 40 interviews with all different people and we're getting more up each day. So we're literally having these people tell their stories and getting really a collage of Mississippi voices to say, here's how we're different. Here's, here's what we do that's, um, you know, against the grain and, and taking risks and chances, small business owners, all the things that are really the engines for growth. Um, but like I said, it, it just so happens that that, that, that connects to an inspiring thread from these modern artists. So we hope people come to the exhibition and celebrate as a state. You know, the, look at the art, enjoy the art, take the opportunity, but also see that these artworks and these artists do inspire us even beyond the art world. You know, these, mm. these themes of taking risks and of being creative uh, apply to everything. Well, as we approach Mississippi's bicentennial in 2017 and we talk about 200 years of statehood, I think that this conversation of what it means to be modern and daring to be different is very important. Let's talk mm. about the next 200 years in Mississippi and, and mapping a modern Mississippi is a good place to start. Absolutely. And it's actually going to feed right into our bicentennial plans. We have a big exhibition opening next next year, obviously, in conjunction with that. And we'll have statewide uh, affiliate exhibitions going out all over the place. But we're going to continue this storytelling initiative in a different uh, tweaked format to have people maybe see about what they think the future might hold. And so this, this kind of idea of bringing people in and having Mississippians tell their stories um, in conjunction with the art is something that we think is really powerful for us because we all are about storytelling. For us, art is the story, but um, tying in narrative into that is really important. Now, Julie, one thing I really love about the museum is that it's so multifaceted and that you talk about artists. You guys bring in musical artists as well. I can't tell you how many times I've been there to enjoy bands playing uh, under that shaded area. So talk to us about the musical opportunities people have to come here, pop up events and see a band on any given night. Yeah, the the, the real uh stronghold for that is our third Thursday programming. So every third Thursday, we have a pop-up exhibition of contemporary artists. We bring musicians in, dance groups, uh, performers of all kinds. Our chef does creative things on the culinary side. So like I said, we start with art, visual art, and then we branch out and include really anybody, all the disciplines, and, and it's a way for people to come and, and have a social event and enjoy it, play games and, and see the exhibitions and really um, kind of 
celebrate community and creativity. And of course, that's when we were able to bring in new artists and uh, you know people that artists that people know, but given a platform for all kinds of creatives to come and, and share what they do. Yeah, and from an aesthetic standpoint, I look at the museum as a place to escape, mainly because of that beautiful green uh, in front of the museum. Uh, and talk, could you talk a little bit about your garden and uh, how accessible it is to people? Yeah, absolutely. The art garden, um, as many of you know, has, has been around since 2011 when we turned our parking lot into this green space. And it's a public space. You know, we, we manage it, of course, and have events out there. And it's part of the museum, but, but it's always open to the public. We have a, a great uh, splash pad, the McRae Children's Fountains, that, that people can come and just cool off. You mentioned a good way to do that. Inside the museum is always cold, and the art likes it cold. But outside, there's, there's always water flow. And, mm-hmm. and plants to look at and, and ways and for I envy to those children because I'm thinking, ah, oh, they're four and five. If I go get in the splash pad with them, I may be judged. Well, <laughs> you, can, you can borrow Wheezy and, and go. <laughs> yes, and I'll do that. <laughs> well, and I think uh, one thing that it's always good to remind folks about is that the museum is open on Sundays. It's a really great way to spend a Sunday afternoon when a lot of other places around the state might be kind of closed down for the for the Sabbath. So a good way to spend some time with the family, take in some culture and Stay cool. Absolutely. Well, Julian, remind us once again of the uh, opening times for the exhibit. Yeah. So, and just like Mary Margaret said, we're open Tuesday through Sunday, um, Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Sunday, noon to 5 p.m. And the museum's always free to come in. There's plenty of free exhibitions to always see. And then the ticketed one, uh, When Modern Was Contemporary, which is our Annie Laurie Swaim Heron Memorial Exhibition Series, the, the thing that we, we bring in our big blockbusters. So that's open uh, during museum hours. People can go to the website, msmuseumart.org, and get involved in, in all the programs and mapping of modern Mississippi and all the great ways that, that we have for people to get engaged. Now, I know this is a mischievous thing to say, but I'm really thinking about just crashing a wedding party party someday at the museum i mean it, the wedding receptions they look so fun they have weddings there i've attended a wedding there we turned the museum into a complete party house so i thought hmm i just may crash a wedding one day get some get some libations and have some fun live on the wild side excellent julian thank you so much for uh being in today we appreciate it all the good information uh, we're going to take a quick break when we get back we'll talk about an award-winning week for one of mississippi's college towns and we're still talking about ways to stay cool in mississippi we'll tell you about the union county quilt trail a town Tommy Flynn is going to tell us about Velvet Cream and Hernando. You can give us a call, 877-MPB-RING, to let us know how you stay cool in Mississippi. What events are going on in your area this weekend? 877-672-7464 is the number. This is Think Radio on MPB. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And 
Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Sharita Brent here with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. And today we're talking about various ways to stay cool in Mississippi and letting you know about some things that you can do over the summer. Uh, we're going to talk about an award-winning week for one of Mississippi's college towns in just a moment. Still to come, we'll talk about the Union County Quilt Trail. We'll find out about Velvet Cream and Hernando and Andy Hilton. will talk with us about his really unique swing business. And you can give us a call at any time this morning to tell us about any local events going on in your area or what you're doing to stay cool in Mississippi. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You can also follow the conversation on Twitter by searching the hashtag NextStopMS. Now we're going to be joined on the phones by Jennifer Gregory, who's going to talk with us about the Mississippi Main Street Association and the Greater Starkville Development Partnership. Jennifer, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Sharita. Thanks for having me. So uh, tell us about some of these awards that were were won and uh, how you got to that point where you uh, were able to get these awards. Sure. Well, we were um, very excited um, to be honored by the Mississippi Main Street Association um, here in Starkville, Mississippi, for um, a couple of different programs and individuals that are part of our community. Um, The first is sort of a Lifetime Achievement Award for a design professional. Um, This award is called the Sam Coy Excellence in Design Award, and it was presented to Briar Jones of Thomas Shelton Jones & Associates here in Starkville. Um, And Briar is a a local architect that has worked on projects throughout the community that have really made a huge impact on the architecture and design um, aesthetic of our community, Um, projects like many of our public school buildings here in Startville, um, Startville City Hall, um, a great adaptive reuse project in downtown Startville that created some new condos and a retail space from an older building. Um, and so just a number of projects that Briar has worked on, and we were so proud of him for being recognized um, for, like I said, this sort of Lifetime Achievement Award for um, his dedication and, and talent um, in the community. Um, another award. Yeah, go ahead. And so some of some of the things you're, you're talking about, architecture, and, and some of the things that you guys are trying to incorporate is connecting uh, transportation between downtown and the Mississippi State University campus, making sure uh, that the areas are walkable and bikeable. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, we are a college town, and of course, that's part of our branding. You know, we brand Startville as Mississippi's college town, and so part of that is providing easy connections between our downtown area and the university. And so we've had a lot of great success with that um, priority. We've had a lot of wonderful partners like Commissioner Mike Taggart with the Mississippi Department of Transportation and several grants that have been allocated that um, either have already or are in the process of sort of transforming the streetscape of many of our connecting streets, such as Russell Street here in Startville, providing bike lanes and sidewalks, um, dedicated to getting people through the downtown and to the university um, in different in different ways. You know, definitely cars are part of are part of the atmosphere here in Startville, but we want to provide other modes of transportation. Um, we have a wonderful uh, mass transit system called the Smart Startville Mississippi State Area Rapid Transit here in the community and on campus that connects um, really the entire community and, and transports people all around that either don't have a car or don't wish to use their vehicle. Um, so definitely connections are a big part, and 
we've made a, a real commitment to try to focus on that, to try to enhance our connecting roads um, with wayfinding signage, sidewalks, bike lanes, landscaping to make it safer and more aesthetically pleasing to travel on those connecting streets. Um, and we've seen a lot of success with that. We've seen a lot of new businesses locate along those connecting areas, University Drive, Russell Street, um, and we look for that to only increase over time. Well, and, and speaking of connecting and of Russell Street, the mill is, is one of those spaces that won an Outstanding Economic Impact Award from Mississippi Main Street. And I actually read a, a story about the mill in one of your local magazines recently and was just simply knocked out, blown away by that space. Yes, Mary Margaret, it is a beautiful space, and it's one that really provides a lot of history to our community. The mill um, is a former cotton mill, a textile mill um, here in Startville. Startville has a, a, a very agriculture and blue-collar-based history. We're not the we're not the aristocratic community um, like some of our neighboring communities with Annabellum Homes and things. That's just not part of our history. So the mill really was the economic engine um, many decades ago. And to have a developer, Mark Castleberry of Castle Properties, that actually received that, um, that award, accepted that award for outstanding economic impact, really brought the building historically and um, from a design perspective back to its former glory. He did not change really much of anything on the side of the building retained all the existing windows and um, and the the heart pine floors and the grand foyer which are just stunning and beautiful but now it is again an economic engine for our community but in a different way it's a conference center um, with a hotel a parking garage office space um, where we are seeing thousands and thousands of visitors come to our community and, um, and and participate in conferences and in further education. Um, but the location of the mill, like you said, on Russell Street, it's right at the university's doorstep. It's within walking distance to our farmer's market, to many of our retailers, and to some of our fantastic restaurants. And so it's a perfect uh, piece to this whole downtown revitalization plan that we've been working towards. And we're so grateful to, to Mark and his team for um, for really taking a big leap of faith and a, a, a huge investment to to renovate this beautiful building. Yeah, and talk more about the Farm to Fork fundraiser. Uh, that was a cool partnership between chefs and local farmers, because if you have all those tourists, I mean, it's really important to have places for them to eat. So talk about that. Well, that's right. And, and Starkville is a really authentic culinary center of Mississippi and and you know farm to table and all of that is so trendy these days but but that that whole concept started in Startville years before it was popular and so our restaurants um, which we have a, a number of locally owned restaurants and in fact we have more restaurants per capita than any other city in Mississippi um, and were recently recognized by Restaurant Business Magazine for being one of the top five cities in the country to open a restaurant. So we have a great culinary culture here and our restaurants customarily shop at our farmer's market. You know, they come to the market every week, purchase locally grown goods, and that's what's on their menu during the week. And so this Farm to Fork dinner really celebrated that. We had five local chefs that all created a, a dish with 90% locally sourced ingredients. Wow. So we had uh, bruschetta for, for appetizers, and we had homemade bread, and um, we had a, a wonderful pork dish from a local hog, and tons of vegetables, of course, a beautiful goat cheesecake dessert. 
um, that was created by local goat's milk and um, and other strawberries and, and local produce. And so this dinner really celebrated the very authentic culture that we have here in Starkville of supporting our farmers, supporting local food, and and wonderfully creative and innovative chefs. Um, and it was a fundraiser. We raised money for our farmer's market location, which is Fire Station Park, right in the middle of downtown, right where Russell Street connects with Main Street and, and University Drive. So all these things we've been talking about today really tie together at that location, and we're excited to make some improvements to the um, the layout of that park and how it really feels. Um, but that, that uh, event, that fundraiser, was a wonderful celebration of the culinary culture that we have here in Startville. And um, not only was it a really tasty and, and fun event, but again, it did raise a couple thousand dollars for our park. So we're really excited about that and, and excited to continue the mission of our farmer's market of supporting locally uh, local farmers and, and local makers and bakers. Um, well, and, and this time of year really is the height of produce season. So, I mean, it, it's time to go out and, and patronize your farmers. And you know what? If you don't want to turn on the oven or the grill, which mm. I have been remiss to do here lately, <laughs> right. it's a good time to go out to eat because you are seeing these great locally grown um fruits and vegetables on the menus in creative ways. Absolutely. Well, Jennifer, we really, really appreciate you uh, coming on today. Sounds like you guys are doing some great things in Starkville, so keep up the good work and congratulations on your recognition. And thank you for joining us. Anytime. Thanks, ladies. All right. When we get back, we're going to learn about the Union County Quilt Trail. We're talking about ways to stay cool, some things you can do inside. We'll also hear from Tommy Flynn about Velvet Cream and Hernando. They have lots and lots of different flavors of ice ice cream, so we'll learn about that. And still to come, Andy Hilton is going to talk with us about his unique swing business. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING to join the conversation. Let us know what events are going on in your area this weekend or what you do to stay cool in Mississippi. 877-672. 7464 is the number. We'll be back in just a moment. No final place for sure. Don't hang around and let your problems surround you. There are movie shows. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent in studio with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. And today we've been talking about different ways to stay cool in Mississippi and some things you can do over the summer throughout the state. And we'll learn about the Union County Quilt Trail in just a moment. But we'd like to give the number to you, 877-MPB-RING. If you'd like to let us know about any events going on in your area, you can give us a call. If you want to tell us what you do to stay cool in Mississippi, 877-672-672. 7464 or send an email to next stop at mpbonline.org and I meant to mention that I for the 4th of July I went to Natchez and got to see the fireworks show um, along the Mississippi River and it was awesome so they said that they um, partner with the folks from, uh, from Vidalia yeah. yeah they partner with the folks from Vidalia's and uh, for the fireworks and it was amazing I mean we had just a, a wonderful space besides the mosquitoes and the, and the, and the ants 
and me being afraid because of the little kids getting too close to the edge. <laughs> I was like, these are not my kids, but I'm nervous. Uh, it was really, really fun. It was about 20, 30 minutes. We ate at this place called The Camp, which is way down the hill. Um, and we hiked back to the hotel. And it was it was just a really fun time in Natchez. I'm glad we didn't have to go outside of the state. You know, we just took advantage of, of that. So That's it was great. Fun. So did you watch the fireworks from the restaurant or did you go up on the levee? No, I was toward the bottom. So there's this 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 deep hill uh, where you're overlooking the the bridge that okay, crosses sure. over to Louisiana. Yeah. So some people had a higher view, and uh, we were toward the bottom where the all the restaurants. Is were. that what they call under the hill? I think so. Yes, I believe so. And uh, we had some great food, and so it was just a really good time. My my Fourth of July was great. It was hot, but it was it was worth it. Good for you. Yeah, better than the uh, consumer fireworks that the uh, <laughs> uh, we had the, the specialist talking with us about. So I didn't I didn't hold any Roman ca- candles in my hand this time. <laughs> um, so we're going to learn right now about the Union County Quilt Trail, and uh, we have our guest on the line, Jill Smith, who is the director for the Union County Heritage Museum. Jill, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about the museum. Uh, we know that the mission is primarily heritage, but how long has the museum been o- open, and what is primarily the the mission of it? Well, our mission is to interpret uh, local history in a lot of different ways, in natural history and uh, through photos and objects, and uh, we do a lot of outreach. And this is the 25th year for uh, the Historical Society to uh, offer these things to the public. And the quilt trail is one of those things that we have used to commemorate uh, Civil War history is how it started, and it just kind of grew and grew. <laughs> it's really lovely. Wow. Well, and, and the Union County Quilt Trail is is it part of kind of a larger national movement called A Stitch in Time. Is that correct? It is. And, you know, when I first found out about it, I was traveling up in Kentucky, and I, I kept seeing these barn quilts, these wonderful they were painted, and they were on barns. They were just out, you know, in the scenery. And, just and, huge uh, scale, I would imagine. Yes, and, uh, you know, our quilts are, well, our largest one is eight feet, and, it's of course, it's painted on wood, and it's the background for our biscuits and jam stage downtown. And, uh, and you know, when we put that up, we really didn't know how it was going to be used. We were commemorating the Tallahatchie River, which is, is right where it's placed and uh, now it's turned into a stage and a backdrop for a lot of Facebook photos and but you'll see probably about 75 throughout Union County Mm. and uh, you can just enjoy them from the cool uh, inside of your car and uh, do the driving trail. Yeah, and so tell us generally what what a quilt trail is. Um, so we, you're saying here in Mississippi, we're not going to see quilt patterns painted on barns, but we may see them in other spaces. We do. Uh, we used it uh, downtown in some, uh, like the Pocket Park was once an old service station, and uh, it was just kind of an area that needed, needed a little pick-me-up. And the high school class really got involved in this, painting the quilts. And so that's really a beautiful spot. Uh, we have about 20 there, and uh, they range from 4 feet uh, to 2 feet in size. So it's very colorful. It just adds a spot of color. And then we have them throughout downtown New Albany in, uh, at businesses. So, you know, we, we hope that it is some helping economic development as well as uh, just providing a real bright spot of artwork, public artwork. And then... Uh, you know, if you want to go to Ingemar Mound site, which is an interpreted 
um, about a 2,000-year-old Indian mound site about five miles south of New Albany. You'll see them there. So you see them at historic sites. You see them downtown. You see them in private. Uh, people have them on their fences in their private homes. It's really taken off. Well, and, and you know, a quilting is is. I think being um, revived in a lot of ways, there's a lot of new interest by young textile artists in quilting, but the the quilt patterns have meaning. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, I was I was thinking about the different names that uh, you'll see on your quilt patterns, like windmill, the courthouse steps, Rob Peter to pay Paul. I mean, they all do. You know, each one has a story behind it. And, uh, and of course, now the crazy patch, um, you know, and it's, to me, the... The, the recycling of, of, of things, which is, you know, always a good thing to do, to use everything and use it up. You know, people have used the backs of their pants legs and their flower sacks and their tobacco wow. sacks. You know, we have a lot in our collection of some really fabulous quilts, and uh, that, that never goes out of style to me, you know. That yeah. kind of handwork and artistic creativity from the grassroots level oh my goodness I get excited about it (laughs) (laughs) so talk about the social connection of it all you know designing the quilts and and maybe even reminiscing on the stories behind them Uh, do you see that there's a connection that way oh definitely when this first started we started it in 2013 to commemorate the 150th um, anniversary of the Civil War in New Albany and we were putting them at Civil War sites so that took us back to uh, some of those early quilts that people had uh, in their cedar chests, and they would bring them out. And uh, we had some artists design uh, the quilt blocks that were to be painted based on these old designs that people had, and some of them were just one of a kind. We have uh, one quilt placement at uh, a place called A Walk on the Wild Side, and this lady has a, a public garden there of native plants, and we placed this quilt there because her great-great-great-grandmother had designed it, and she had it, and uh, it's from her collection. And, it, you know, it's meaningful there to her. But uh, there are many other stories about the quilt designs and how they are meaningful to the people where they, they're placed. Yeah, I know they have sentimental meaning. I mean, I I have a quilt that that my grandmother or great-grandmother made for me, and they're really warm, too. I mean, I know they have these these new things where they're all, what's the material? Electric blankets? Yeah, electric blankets, but it's another kind. (laughs) Fleece. Yeah, that fleece thing. that's in a quilt, you know, that's thrown into it because that's very significant, you know, it's... Well, and we talked a little bit about how, um, you know, you've used these quilts in commemoration of uh, the sesquicentennial of the Civil War, but Mm -hmm. you also have some designs that are connected to the Underground Railroad. Mm. There are, um, you know, that was some of the symbolism that uh, the the slaves who were trying to get away from slavery, they were looking for, um, like, the flying geese quilt. That's a a design that was used to point people toward a, a safe haven. Uh, that one in particular was used uh, quite a bit, and uh, and we have that particular design down by the river as well, the flying geese, because it points north. Wow. Excellent. Well, uh, Jill, we really, really appreciate you being on this morning. And can you let us know again when people can visit the trail and if they want to volunteer, how they can do that? Well, I'm glad you asked that because we have people coming in all the time wanting to paint quilts. And, uh, in fact, we had a, a lady the other day come all the way down from Johnson City, Tennessee, because she had seen online uh, where people can come and, and paint quilts here. 
uh, we're open at the museum from uh, 9 a.m. to 4, Tuesday through Friday, and 10 to 3 on Saturday. And we have an art house, and that's where people come and, and paint. And, you know, we're just happy to have you do that. Excellent. Well, Jill, thank you so much for joining us. We really enjoyed having you on today. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, now, uh, that was really good, huh? Yeah, Jill's great. Now, I got to know her years ago uh, because she helps host the uh, Union County uh, Bluegrass Festival that Mm -hmm. uh, takes place um, up there every year. They host the statewide fiddle competition. It's a really cool program. Um, So good to hear from Jill. And just a reminder to folks out there, um, the Governor's Awards for Excellence in the Arts is an annual event. It takes place in February, but nominations are open right now. So if you know folks doing good work in the arts, around the state, it's time to get a nomination in. Uh, Those applications can be found at arts.ms.gov, and the applications open until August 15th. So, you know, get your ducks in a row. All right. I'll be be expecting you to nominate me, Mary Margaret. Oh, yeah. I'm already working on it. I you to do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Got Chase and Klein writing a recommendation letter. Yes, yes. Uh, So now we're going to really, really cool off and uh, invite into the conversation Tommy Flynn, who's going to to talk with us about his ice cream uh, spot, Velvet Cream in Hernando. Tommy, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So this this place is is pretty historic. I mean, it, it goes back, it dates back to, to the World War II, and you took over around 1962. Uh, so talk about that, taking over a place like this, and, and what was your vision then in comparison to what it is now? Well, it was my grandmother and my father that actually uh, uh, bought it in in 1962. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, man, we it was uh, it's been an established. Uh, Velvet Cream has been the, the name of the business there since 1947, and we just we just kept the name. Uh, we had a little place in Chinica, Mississippi, um, called Delta Cream, and um, we are from Hernando, and this place uh, became uh, something they were selling, so we decided, my dad and my grandmother decided to buy it, Um, and I started in 1968. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, My first job was uh, to wash out the big mix cans. That's how the mix came back in the day. You know, you you see them in antique shops everywhere. Now, nobody uses them for ice cream mix anymore, but... Uh, back then, they still did, and uh, they were very heavy. They were about a, um, close to 200 pounds when they were full. Wow. <laughs> That's and, a uh, good job for a first-timer. <laughs> oh, it is. I had they, I did that, and I cut onions, and um, I had to go across the street and get ice at uh, the ice plant, ice plant uh, right across the street from us, and um, that's where we we'd, had to get big blocks of ice and they they crushed it for us and i'd come across the street and we had a place to store the ice but we didn't have a place to make ice though now tommy i'm sure that you know the work was was hard and the hours were long but velvet cream's always really been a spot for gathering so i'm sure you were right in the mix with all the cool high school kids coming to hang out your your website has some really great photographs of 
of young kids and, you know, leather jackets on motorcycles and, you know, sitting next to like really cool old convertibles. It looks so, like a scene from Greece. Yeah, it really does. Uh, absolutely. Well, it, it was very much like that. Tell you the truth. It, it still is. is. <laughs> I was through there uh, last year and uh, our our tourism director in DeSoto County, Kim, Kim Terrell, took me by. And I mean, the line was out the door. You've still got a lot of cute young girls working uh, the counter. And, <laughs> and tell us, what, what, are, what are your popular drinks now? We might think about the 50s as like root beer floats, but what are people going for these days? Oh, well, we, we're doing, um, uh, let's see, our latest, we're doing uh, freezes, which that's kind of a, um, it's a slush with a, a slush float, basically. Your, your flavor slush, and then we put, a dollop of ice cream on top of it. So oh. take it with a straw and a spoon, and we do that. And we do snow cones. Um, the mm. Snow cones in the last couple of years. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Jerry's snow cones in Memphis, but it's really popular up there. But it's just a uh, very fine ice that uh, we just um, we grind up, and you put your your flavors on there. And uh, that's very popular uh, this season. Um, of course, we still have all the all your your favorites uh, that you might see anywhere. I know we have a few unusual uh, mule slobber, and uh, basically all that is is it's a sprite float. It's a vanilla ice cream, and it's uh, just a float made with made with sprite, and um, we had coke, we have coke floats and we have uh, root beer floats and um, we nobody ever wanted the sprite float. I thought, well, that's kind of unusual. I mean, it's just a good good drink. Nobody ever wanted it, so I just changed the name. <laughs> and I you changed the name to Mule Slobber. Uh huh. Mule Slobber because it reminded me uh, when I was a little boy, I rode my grandpa's mule. He, he farmed with mule. Uh, and the old mule this time of year when it's it's hot, they uh they they slobber. And I had I was I had little short pants on, you know that and it would go back there and hit me on the leg. <laughs> the, the slobber would and it, it was kinda gross, but, uh, <laughs> but it, that's what it looked like. <laughs> it looked like the foam kinda looked like mule slobber. So I thought, what the heck I'll just change the name Oh, oh man, that's pretty that, funny. I, I would look right past it. <laughs> well, the demographic was perfect for uh, young boys uh, carrying their dates out, uh, you know, to velvet cream. They order mule slobbers. And they look at their, they look at their girlfriends like with that, you know, that look in their eye. You know? <laughs> yeah, that that's funny. Excellent. No, that's one of our. That's one of our. Uh, it actually outsells our river float. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I imagine people are intrigued by it. Well, uh, Tommy, we need to take a break, but uh, could you tell us um, what are the hours for Velvet Cream, and when can people stop by? Well, right now it's at nine a.m. to ten p.m. Uh, seven days a week. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Wow, that's great. All right, Tommy, sounds good. And uh, are you going to retire anytime soon, or are you just having too much fun? I'm just having too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> My dad still works. He's 81. Wow. Uh, he, he comes in seven days a week and works on the machines, uh, ice cream machines. He, he um, No one can do it like Pop. Yeah. Wow. Well, you can't let him outdo you then. So nix I that know. idea of retiring. Well, thank you so exactly. much, Tommy. We appreciate you being on this morning. Thank you. 
We appreciate appreciate you having me. Thank you, ma'am. All right. We need to take our final break. When we get back, we'll be joined by Andy Hilton to talk with us about Swing Lab. And you can still join the conversation at 877-MPB-RING if you want to let us know what you're doing in Mississippi to stay cool. If there are any local events uh, going on in your area you want to let other Mississippians know about, we do have some lines open, 877-672-7464, or email nextstop at mpbonline.org. This is Think Radio. Little Charlie Cheese is pretty as the angels when they swing. I can't believe I'm out here on a front porch in the swing. Just a swing. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent here with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. Uh, we've had a great conversation today talking about some ways to stay cool, some places you can visit in Mississippi. And now we're joined in studio by Andy Hilton, who's going to talk with us about Swing Lab, which is really cool and unique, and I can't wait to hear about it. Andy, thank you so much for being in with us. Thanks for having me. So tell us about how you got into this area of design. Are you from Mississippi or are you just based in Mississippi? No, I'm from Mississippi. Okay. Uh, grew up here in Jackson. Okay. So tell us how you got interested in making swings. Well, I originally went to school for industrial design, product design, mm-hmm. and uh, I was always interested in furniture. And I think I had, like a lot of Southerners, a uh, personal fondness for porch swings. I think a lot of us here grow up with memories of swinging on somebody's oh, sure. porch. Yeah. And, uh, I wanted to take that concept and apply a more modern aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. So after several design iterations, uh, we have what we have now. So was it a lot of trial and error? Because we were familiar with those old school classic looking swings. But I mean, these are extremely modern. And I think I've seen them um, in, in, a, in a local place here in Jackson. And I, it's really cool. And, and they're really sturdy. Uh, but how much research and trial and error had to go into developing these things? It definitely took some trial and error. Um, I also recently have graduated with a degree in civil engineering. I think I was able to apply some of that to the the mechanics of what holds it together. Oh, that sounds hard. I know. <laughs> it was. <laughs> now, Andy, um, the, the swings have kind of this modern appeal. But for our listeners out there who, who don't have their laptops open, describe what Swing Lab is and, and what your, your porch swing looks like. Well, like I said, it, it basically works like a classic porch swing, but with a more modern twist. Uh, the thing that really sets it apart is that it has modular backrests. So if you wanted to, say, sit upright, uh, you know, you can put them in one position. But if you want to recline, you can remove the backrest, move them around, and lay across the swing. See, I love that because yes. that's what you always want to do in a porch swing, right? right? Is like kick back, but then you've got that bar mm-hmm. right in the middle. You can't get comfortable. Yeah. But with the swing lab swing, you can simply move the backrest to the end of the swing. That's right. Yeah, if you want to lay back and read a book, it's no problem. Or if you want to sit upright with two people, face opposite ways, you can... <laughs> kind of do whatever you want to do. Oh, like a lover's swing. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of a love seat. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, talk with us, talk to us about the materials that you use. Um, are they locally sourced? They are. Uh, pretty much everything the swing is made of comes from the metro area. Hmm. Um, principally, it's made of aluminum and cypress. Uh, 
the aluminum comes from Clinton, where get the frames made, and the cypress is from a, a lumber mill right here in Jackson. Wow. And both of those materials uh, are really tough outdoors and really beautiful indoors. Uh, it's also suspended by aircraft cable, which give it kind of a cool modern look, but uh, also, needless to say, is uh, almost indestructible. <laughs> wow, sure. Uh, because it makes me nervous. I mean, because I'm thinking about, okay, this is my weight, this is this person's <laughs> weight, and I'm, I'm looking at the ceiling to make sure it's not going to come down. But really, you're saying people have no worries about that. No worries. I mean, the cave, they, they look small, which is kind of part of what gives it its look, but uh, they're rated something like 2,000 pounds a piece. Mm-hmm. So that's not an issue. Yeah. Well, how modern are you trying to get? I mean, have you reached the peak of your designs or do you think you're going to take it to another level? Well, this is kind of our flagship design, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole business centers around this one design. I've uh, kind of found a niche, uh, had pretty good success with it. That's not to say there won't be new designs. Whenever we have like an open house, I try to put some kind of prototype out just to see. But um just being kind of a one-person company, I put pretty much everything uh, into just filling orders for this this piece. Yeah. Sure. And there's such interest right now in mid-century modern architecture, furniture. We talked to Julian Rankin this morning talking about you sure. know modern artwork. So I think that the timing is just great. Yeah, I think so, too. I've had, a, like I said, a really good response. Um, yeah. Well, and sounds good. Yeah, your studio is located in Jackson in the Midtown neighborhood, which we talk a lot about on Next Stop Mississippi. And mm-hmm. so you're a part of a community of artists and uh, do, really doing a lot to revitalize that part of town. Yeah, I think that's a big part of uh, how we got where we are. I mean, the marketing behind Swing Lab, I, I really have to thank my friends and neighbors over there for the mm-hmm. video work and photography and writing and everything behind the, the campaign. Well, do you want to give a, a contact number before we go? Sure. Well, actually, my uh, my website is probably the best thing, uh, swing, swinglab.co. I pretty much ex- sell them exclusively through there. That's mm-hmm. swinglab.co. And it's important, .co, because there's a, a swing lab, something else, and it's about golf. So That's it's right. easy to get confused. So swinglab.co. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mayor Margaret, thank you for being in. Sam Wells was our engineer, and Kevin Farrell was our call screener. That's going to wrap us up here on Next Stop Mississippi. Try to stay cool, folks. Have fun this weekend. Stay tuned. Southern Remedy for Women is coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio. 